Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I have a brand new guest on. Her name is Vicki Bailey. Now, she has left a 19-year marriage, and she left with her son, who has a history of three brain tumors. He's autistic, and they have been isolated. And he did have initial supports in place, but however, that got flipped on them. Now, the ex, the court acknowledges his income, but doesn't acknowledge his diagnosis, as well as a Gavron order. We're going to discuss and explain what that is and how CPS got involved. So again, we have another family court multifaceted case that is beyond egregious. I welcome you. Vicky, you know, how how are you and where are you at right now with your case? And I see, you know, you have your arm in a sling because you got injured at work. Um, good morning. Good morning. We're, we're actually very much beside ourselves. Um, my son has been taken from us in January of 2021 by a social worker and CPS, and no one has seen or heard from him since. Uh, San Diego Regional Center has not seen him. Uh, his doctors did not. Um, and we have been fighting this battle. My son has fled the custody of his father twice, uh, screaming abuse, running texts across the internet, and the police hand him to CPS, and CPS hands him back to the father. Uh, it's really disturbing. Uh, the family court system just seems to wash it under the rug and flat out ignore evidence. Um, it seems like that's common as well from other people I've interviewed is that they present evidence, they've got it, they've even got it on video, and the judge judge doesn't want to hear it. Yeah, uh, I've had two temporary restraining orders um, approved and issued. And when I come in for, my husband took all the assets, so he has an attorney and I don't. And when I filed for a 2030, which is a fair legal playing field, you know, uh, rights to some of the marital assets so that I can retain counsel, um, the judge ordered me to choose between my 2030 motion and my trial date. Um, so obviously I took my trial date to get out because this is a long mm-hmm. process. Um, help me. There's so much information I lost. Oh, how long have you been in this process? Since July of 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband has had three court orders to produce financials and discovery. He's had a motion to compel and a contempt of court. And it's all been ignored. I mean, mm-hmm. the court actually has ordered him to produce these. And finally, at the contempt of court, the judge told me to, in, quote, inform the trial judge of his poor behavior. So there's no discovery. He's allowed to keep all the money and not produce. And that kind of happened in my case as well and other people's. Um. <sighs> So you like have no idea where your son is right now. We have an idea where, 
we have had uh, CPS cut off all contact. So my son has four adult siblings, step siblings that I brought into the marriage. And he's not been allowed to, uh, Zach, Zach, Chris and Ryan cannot talk to him. Nobody's made contact. CPS won't commit any contact. I actually get phone calls about every other month until I switch my number and they find me again. CPS calls and threatens me and says, you're not talking to your son, are you? So every two months or so, I get CPS calling me, threatening, have you talked to your son? You, you're not permitted to speak to your son. Yet we're getting even doc. If you see the one of the documents I sent you, is a doctor summary visit from this past March mm-hmm. that my husband actually submitted to court in a bunch of 200 page documents. And it's the doctor so concerned for my son's safety, my son begging to go to foster care, my son describing all the sexual abuse again that he's incurred over the years and that's still continuing, asking where his mom is in quote, he wants to ask his mom, why hasn't nobody come to help me? Mm. And the doctor saying, I mean, so this is a regular doctor visit and a doctor so concerned he's putting all this in his summary report. Now, my husband submits the 200 pages of CPS hearsay. He does it less than 48 hours before the hearing, so it's not proper service. Uh, custody was broke. They admit it came from my husband's possession. And that's where this doctor's summary visit was in. It was buried in there. And I argued all the points. And the judge dismissed my argument and accepted the documents. Um, the judge called it, the court will review these under review. So I find the doctor summary visit and I pull it out. And we had a two-day hearing uh, over custody. That's another story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I submit them. And I bring out these key points of the doctor's statements of concern for the child's safety. And the other side argues and claims hearsay and the judge agrees with them. And I politely step in and I correct the judge and I say, your honor, these are already accepted. They came from opposing counsel. The judge has, you know, your honor's already accepted them. These are the same documents. Nope. Dismissed. Um, I've brought police reports that he's violated temporary restraining orders that has not been acknowledged in family court. So they very much pick and choose and they play the scenario out. I think one of the most interesting things is my husband's income and expense reports show he's got about $50,000 in debt. My husband makes 14,000 a month, mind you. And he shows that his bills are about five grand a month. One that leaves a, an overflow of over six grand a month. But the bigger point is he shows he's about $50,000 in debt. This past January, he filed secretly bankruptcy. In his bankruptcy, there's seven new creditors and he's claiming $455,000 in debt. So he bought, I mean, assuming if we subpoena these seven creditors, that should be where this 400,000 deficit is. Mm-hmm. Where to go? Mm-hmm. And discovery is being protected 
he doesn't have to produce. Mm. And the judge is letting him get away with this because you are on your third judge. You had started out with uh, Judge Link, then you went to Judge Bowman, and now you're on Judge Castillo, Castigo, <laughs> pronounce it. And your CPS judge is Gascon. So you have a lot on your plate. Yeah, it's been really difficult. Um, the CPS was really shocking. It put the entire family in in like a deer in the headlights. We just, it was out of a story. They come in, they take Charlie, no grounds, all these accusations. They claim that none of his medical issues exist. We submit all the records. Um, the doctors are here at Rady's. They're across the country because my husband moved us 29 times in 19 years. <laughs> so I'm a military brat. So I keep all the records in a binder. And I sign releases for all the doctors. Go call this doctor. Go call this doctor. Um, CPS claims none of those existed. Accused me of Munchausen by proxy. None of these existed. They pull him off all of his medications. So he's, my son is a client of San Diego Regional Center. Regional Center did their own eval and confirmed everything. We have Scripps Hospital that has documented a seizure. They pull him off his seizure meds and say, I made it out. They let him go a year with no treatment. He's isolated. He's not getting autism services. He's not going to school. They admit this. CPS in their reports admit they, quote, called the police and explained the situation and buried the child's uh, detailed police report of the years of sexual abuse that he's incurred by his father. Mm. they're openly admitting because there's no oversight. Mm -mm. A week after they take um, our son, they put me on the state child abuse registry as a child abuser. No hearing. Uh, you, you can't, as a citizen, you can't they work so fast, you can't keep up and you don't have time to learn. How do I argue this point? Because by the time you argue it, it's past and you've already got another catastrophe that they've set up in front of you that you have to deal with. And so you're trying to play catch up and mm -hmm. you don't even know what's going on. Um, November of last year, our son fled his father and sent texts across the internet, reached out to a nonprofit in Arizona, and we were able to obtain all those texts and the phone calls. Mm -hmm. And our son is describing uh, drug use, dad's keeping him drugged. He states, I sent you some of those texts. Mm -hmm. He states, um, Dad and CPS, the social worker, kept um, medicated him, over-medicated him before every hearing so he couldn't talk and he couldn't speak up. Uh, he states, quote, Dad dated Jennifer Diaz, and that's how he got me removed from Moms Illegally. We don't know who she is. Mm -hmm. um, we do know there's assistant DA Jennifer Diaz in L.A., we know the father was staying in L.A., but, you know, this is all speculation at this point. Mm -hmm. 
This this is child trafficking for profit. This is a 20-year marriage with 401k stocks. He sold the family home. He violated the atros. Uh, I have no record of anything. I'm 57 years old. The kids are grown. This was the last child. Uh, in the interim, I'm dealing with stalking. And he's finding me. He's putting smiley faces everywhere to, to tell me he's here. He's playing a game. First, he cut off both of our medical insurances twice. And I brought it to family court. And they ordered him to put him back. And then it, he started messing with mine. Okay, I went and ended up on Medi-Cal because of what he's doing. And then he starts interfering with my Medi-Cal. He goes online with my name, my social, and he enrolls me in covered California plans, which locks up my Medi-Cal. And I don't have access to even the covered California one because I didn't do it. So I don't have a policy number. I don't have anything. I just, I find out from Medi-Cal, somebody's enrolled you in a covered California plan and you're locked. He's done this six times in a year and a half and he does it immediately after a hearing. It's control. You're going to see a doctor when I want you to. The constant messages are, I know what you're doing. It's no secret. Mm. Uh, family court does not care. The judges have actually told me they don't care until there is, quote, a knife to my throat. So they're not acknowledging psychological abuse. Um, I think it's important here to bring up, my husband was diagnosed by the VA, 100% disabled with mixed personality disorder with psychotic features and paranoia. A clinical psychologist, Dr. Craig Weesey in San Diego, diagnosed my husband as a dangerous covert narcissistic personality disorder with paranoia. I'm sorry, with psychotic features. You can't use, I've learned, you cannot use the word narcissist in court, even when it's diagnosed. It's overused and makes you sound crazy. So I stick with the VA diagnosis and I present the evidence I sent you over the eval hmm. and it's ignored. My husband then stands in court and says, our son is heavily medicated and he is psychotic. There's no doctor's reports. He submits nothing, no prescriptions, no diagnosis. He just comes in and makes a statement and the judge says over and over, the court accepts your statement as fact, no. as evidence. And I'm standing there with tabbed evidence and reports and they disregard it and they won't accept it. And this happens all the time. People don't realize that when they go into family court that there is not going to be any justice. Your your yeah. case is so um, true to that because you also haven't received any spousal support or it's it's gone down to 700 a month or something like that. Yeah, I, I did when, when he, he was working his last job. Um, 
that's scary too. Uh, but when he, I had a garnishment and it was a, an order for 3000 a month mm-hmm. for San Diego. I was getting periodically about 2800 a month. And now they've got this order. They've knocked it down to 700. Um, I think it's really interesting this last order because he went in to terminate spousal support on a 20 year marriage. Again, I'm 57 years old. I do not have an education. He has two master's degrees. And I'm not trying to clean him out. I'm trying to just give me, I, I actually talked with my adult sons and we, we kind of made our own agreement on the side. And this is the first time I'm going public with this. My, our plan was 10 years of spousal support to get me on my feet and to get a degree. And I was going to let it go because I want to cut that tether. So that was my goal. Um, I find it really interesting. We came into court here on November 30th and he requested that spousal support be terminated. Hmm. And the judge orders a gap. He, he requested that the judge order a gap on warning on me. I'm under 100% disability right now with the workers' comp. I'm in the middle of three surgeries. I'm just done with three. Now you're you're five foot seven, and no, you were, no, I'm five foot two. Five foot two, sorry. Um, and you were uh, handling boxes, and you hurt your shoulder, as well as your um, you've got nerve damage in your fingers, wrist, and elbow. And now, for for people that don't understand what a Gavron, G-A-V-R-O-N, order is. Can you tell us what that is? A Gavron order uh, warning is from another case. It's a it's a reference to a case, a Gavron case, and it's a warning. You better get yourself back to work, um, or else you can lose everything. You can lose spousal support. You can be penalized. Uh, the court's going to impose all kinds of fine penalties against you. So my workers' comp attorney actually had to write the family court a notice that the family court was violating federal court orders because workers' comp is federal court. Mm-hmm. And politely asking them, you need to lift this Gavron order because it's in violation, my, referring to me, their client is not going to return to work until the federal court releases me. This is how bad family court is getting. We have a teenager who is in a dire situation with a psychotic, diagnosed psychotic individual, mentally ill, 100% through the VA, who says in in that VA diagnosis that you have, you're very welcome, it's public record. Um, He's a danger to himself and others, inappropriate behaviors. It's all stated in detail there. It's no different than the Tarpon case and the Tarpon children. Mm-hmm. If you remove the divorce and if you remove me entirely, you have a teenager screaming abuse again and again and again who has no contact with us. So it's not like we're influencing him. Story's consistent. He's fleeing the home on multiple occasions. 
and he's being shut down and gagged and there's no investigation. The child has stated in those texts, he's, he's literally physically attempted suicide three times while in his father's care and he describes in detail how it failed. He then says the next time his father comes near him, something's going to have to happen. And he talks about taking an oven handle and cramming it in the back of his father's neck. Remember, this is an autistic teenager, isolated, no education, no social skills, not allowed to have friends. He's 17 now. Mm -hmm. I'm coming forward because... I think it's very important that people know what really happens when you leave and to think twice. And I'm, I'm not sitting here saying don't leave, but you need to know what you're in for. Um, there's no resources in San Diego County. They pass you around from agency to agency and they say, we don't have any. There's no legal help whatsoever. I applied for what they call a modest means program, which is a discount rate with an attorney. And my husband found out about it. So he called CPS and called in a, a bogus child abuse. That's when I had, when our son was with me. Well, I didn't know. Just a random phone call and an open investigation. I had already been approved on the modest means program. And they called me up and they said, you have an open CPS now you're kicked out of the program. This is the control. This is what the judges don't care about, but on a mass scale, he controls when I eat, when I go to the doctor. He has my social, my birthday. He controls when I see an attorney. Um, my CPS appointed trauma therapist when they removed our son, she cleared me of all the allegations. So did our son's doctors. And she diagnosed me PTSD and long-term domestic violence victim. When I submitted her diagnosis report to the court, she disappeared. Now, I don't know if she's physically disappeared from San Diego, but it's a complete ghost. She stopped texting, she stopped the appointments, she didn't communicate. She disappeared. She was a witness. Mm -hmm. We were in a session and CPS called and it was on speaker. And they asked her to quote, change her diagnosis to match their findings. And when she said she wouldn't, then that's when all that happened and she disappeared. Um, the resources like Community Resource Center, the nonprofits. There's a long wait list. There was a two-year wait list. So I actually got on this wait list back in 2019. And when my therapist, CPS's therapist disappeared, I went over to Community Resource Center. And I've been under them. They tell me very often, they work with CPS all the time. They don't understand what's going on. And it's, kind of scary because you don't know whose side who's on and you have to be careful and that mm -hmm. sounds crazy no it's it's true you don't know well, you know what they're telling you is true you don't know uh, who to trust 
they lie anyway. I, I think I would say to someone thinking of leaving an abusive marriage, think again, because what you're going to lose is you're going to lose being able to protect your child at all. You're going to lose any of the decision-making. If, if you're really in an abusive marriage, you're going to know this. You're going to know that you can manipulate to a point you know not to piss off your spouse. Mm -hmm. You know what's going to happen if you do. You know how to wiggle out of half of the situations to avoid the violence. Mm -hmm. You know you know the rules of the game. And because you know their personality, you have some sense of, I don't want to say control because you, you don't. Maybe you can help me with this explanation. But when you're in an abusive marriage, I'm going to repeat myself here. You know when it's coming and you, mm -hmm. you can avoid some of them. In family court, it's all taken away from you. And your kids are taken away and they're handed to the abuser. And the abuser, in my case, is retaliating full, full speed on our son. And nobody's helping our son. Our son has adult brothers, stepbrothers, my biological from a previous marriage. They're not allowed any contact with him. Nobody has seen or heard from our son since CPS took them in January of 2021. There's no visitation. There's no supervised visitation. There's no phone calls. All of his doctors were pulled away from him. Regional center who provides autism services for him is still looking for him. This is all allowed in San Diego County. If I were to go back, mm -hmm. I would not leave. I would risk my life so that my son would have a chance because with those texts, my son, you can see his pupil of his eyes. He's high. He's drugged. He's saying he's, he said he can't go to school because he's drunk from tequila the night before because dad makes him drink with him because he wants a drinking buddy. Oh. Dad leaves him two nights a week to go with some woman. Uh, he's drugging through five, six different women on their couches on the weekends. My son listens to this. Mm -hmm. mm. I believe the system goes where the money is. Mm -hmm. And I believe the majority of the time, it's the male that has the money. Maybe it's just the circumstances and the patterns of marriage. You know, mm -hmm. he got the two master's degrees. I stayed home with the kids. I believe hmm. I want this on the record and I want it public because I've made a decision not to be scared and quiet anymore. And I've come to terms with understanding the consequences of me speaking up. So I want this on record and I want people to remember and watch what happens. 
because I'm not going to be afraid anymore. And people are going to know who he is and what he's done because he's done it to more kids. In that police report, our son states his stepbrother as well was molested by him. My husband has previous marriage with two kids. And it would explain certain kids have alcohol issues and certain kids don't. The kids he has relationships with, they struggle with alcohol. The ones that don't have a relationship with him don't have the problems at all and are very successful. Hmm. I want people to think twice about coming on vacation to San Diego or to LA. Mm -hmm. I want them to understand they're risking the custody of their children because CPS seems to have jurisdiction over the police and over family court and no one's overseeing them. And CPS doesn't have to abide by any of the jurisdictions. The CPS hearing and trial that we had, they it was middle of uh, COVID. So it was all mandatory Zoom, nothing in person. We were never permitted to speak. They muted the, the mics. We were never permitted to sp- submit evidence. I'm submitting evidence email to my CPS appointed attorney who refused to submit anything. She did not call any witnesses. She did not cross, ask any questions of the social workers. She didn't argue the allegations, the charge charges, so to speak. We never had a, a single word. The very first hearing with CPS, Judge Gaston comes on and she addresses our son. And I mean the very first hearing before any evidence is submitted and you've got the emails from our attorney saying we don't submit evidence yet. The very first thing she says, she addresses our son and she said, I am so sorry you have had to grow up with such a horrible mother. (laughs) Um, That just kind of tells you you don't have any honesty going on. So we don't know. Our son didn't have any mental health issues prior to us leaving his father. And he didn't have any when we first left and we had supervised visits with the father. When the court lifted, Judge Bowman lifted the supervised visitation on the father, despite all the records. Within 10 days, our son tumbled and all the records show it. The mental health started there. Mm -hmm. So the judge hands over your child to him and 10 days later, he's falling apart. Yeah, we documented it. Our son's doctor documented it. Um, Very renowned retired military physician, Dr. Keith Vox in San Diego, um, documented it. And we went in for an emergency and we asked to reinstate the supervised visitation and it was all ignored. The judge actually, Judge Bowman, ordered me 
to go to my husband's home to check out the house. I said, Your Honor, we have a restraining order. He said, I'll lift it for 24 hours. And I refused. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) We have since, you know, you can dig through. He's got multiple addresses. He's got multiple names. He's using an alias, an illegal alias for court docs. Our court case, his legal name is one way under the VA. And then he uses this variation, a hyphenated. He uses my name and his name, which has never had a legal name change. So I've learned that none of these orders are enforceable. And I brought it to the judge's attention. They didn't care. They said, when it affects your life, you let us know. Was that Bowman? Bowman that said that? No, that was Castillo. Oh. Uh, the ADA. I find that really disturbing. Um, I understand in the beginning, I have a evaluation. I've got three learning disabilities. Auditory processing, reading comprehension, and a working memory. My memory is fine. It's, if you want me to memorize a list and then tell you what it is five minutes later, I, I can't do that. Mine's tied to events because I'm very visual. I requested ADA uh, three, four times. And even Marika from uh, Family Court Anti-Corruption Coalition assisted me on one of those. And the judge denied them all. And then when the injury happened with my arm, this is, I'm right-handed, so I can't write. Because of the auditory processing and the learning disabilities, my tool to compensate is to take notes. You take bullet notes. I can't do that with an injured arm. Mm-hmm. We asked for an aid or we asked for Microsoft Teams transcripts because those are free. It doesn't cost the court anything. It doesn't cost it. It doesn't make it difficult for the court. Mm-hmm. My surgeon actually wrote a very nice extensive letter that which you have a copy of explaining the damage to my arm and how I cannot write at all. Mm-hmm. And the the surgeon even asked the court to that I could not be fully present without transcripts. <coughs> and as you saw in the response, the court has denied that. I am forced to go to court and stand alone. I'm not allowed to have anybody with me. All my ADA has been denied. All the financial resources of a 20-year marriage of stocks and bonds and sale of the family home has been denied me for three years now. My husband's threats, if you leave, I will destroy every relationship you have and, quote, leave you in the gutter. And the courts are helping him do this. It's being watched by retired policemen. I, I don't. I, I'm trying to find a platform to take this evidence public. And that's why I provided that to you. And everyone needs to know that this is what these uh, covert malignant narcissists do, how he was diagnosed, what you had said, is that when you leave, they are going to destroy you. 
I even lost my whole nursing career, my kids, and this is what they do. And this is legal abuse and an extension of more domestic violence. He can he can do whatever he wants mm-hmm. and walk into court because he's he's doing this. And he just lies and said it wasn't me. And the judge goes, Okay. And I have a police report. He's even he violated a temporary restraining order with a certified mail to me. And it's in the police report. And it's ignored. So how am I supposed to feel safe? And worse off, what does that do to the abuser? It's escalated him because he knows nobody's stopping him and he's upping the ante and he's upping the ante. And this is why what I'm saying is very real and it's not emotional. No one's stopping him. Mm -hmm. He believes in his soul that he is above the law. So now that I'm deciding to go public, what do you think is going to happen? And and you think, and this thought has also crossed my mind and maybe other people's, but you know, how do you hire a bodyguard and afford those? You can't. No, uh, yeah. The, the controlling of the finances. Mm-hmm. Um, we are now looking at living in our car. And I say we. Um, some of my sons protect me. Mm-hmm. And they stay here. And for them to give up their lives and come home and, and do this. Um, and the only reason that we're still in California is the workers' comp. I have to be here till it's finished. Mm. So I don't have the option to go live cheaper. Um, it's affecting the entire family. When two of my sons showed up at a hearing for the child's safety, for their little brother's safety, and testified, promptly after that hearing, they got phone calls from the bank. Someone had went through the bank account with their social and their birthday. False allegations were against them. The retaliation is, I, I I watch it and I, I can't quite figure out how he does it, but he's, we call it the wise professor display. Mm-hmm. And he's very matter of fact and proper and she's crazy, your honor, and I'm doing everything right. And mm-hmm. it's just accepted. And when you're at the other side and you've got the police report and the city attorney's office reports, it's disregarded. Mm. Better yet, what's going to happen to this child? Mm -hmm. I'm pleading with the public for several things. One, and the most important foremost is if somebody could rescue this child and keep them safe, that's that's all. If I go down the list, it would be fantastic to have an attorney to assist this family. 
but I don't hold my breath on that. Mm. I think documentation of this case, because I was married to him for 20 years. And if I go on history, because I'm making the choice to take this public, I know it's coming. Kids are grown, last kid. I mean, mm -hmm. you gotta do the right thing. And, and it, it's, it's difficult for me. Um, two of my kids are on the autism spectrum. And both trauma therapists said they see flags of that in me here and there. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, but they do over time. At first they go, no, 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 no. And then after the therapy for six or eight months, they go, okay, <laughs> mm -hmm. we're seeing it. We need to do an eval. The problem is I'm really honest. Mm -hmm. My sons tell me, you always play by the rules, mom, and you're always honest and you're never going to win. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I just can't not be honest. And I hear everyone say, oh, everybody lies in family court. I never have, not a single word. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I can't because it's... <laughs> I guess what runs through my head is is that phrase of he scratched my CD, if you know from a movie of a of a Down syndrome mm -hmm. on the spectrum. You just can't. It's in your gut. You have to do the right thing. Yeah. However, he's not doing the right thing and he's apparently lying all over the place. It seems like whoever calls out the first lie in family court wins. That seems to be part of the playbook. Yeah, and I've actually even every almost every sentence, every other sentence is a big, huge lie. Mm -hmm. um, he claims he has no idea where I got this crazy idea that my son and I were poisoned through toxins in a truck. Mm. And I presented the lawsuit in the state of Oklahoma, where my husband is the party, moving party, suing the dealership because we were both poisoned and it was a solid case that lasted three years until the beginning of our separation when the attorneys found multiple life insurance and disability policies on Charlie, on my son and I, nobody knew about, he didn't report it, he didn't divulge it. So mm -hmm. the attorneys had to withdraw because now they have a new suspect, my husband. And yet he sits there and claims in a San Diego family court, he has no idea and she is unstable. So I present the court order and the medical records. Your Honor, this was an active case and this is why it was dismissed because we have another suspect. It's constant. Mm -hmm. It's, there are so many lies and I think that's their tactic of how they get ahead. Mm -hmm. I think the scary thing is in our family, the kids said over and over, mom, he's never going to stop because this is entertainment for him. When he gets bored, he's going to come do this. And he always said he loves to antagonize people for entertainment. 
I think we're a little off track. No, not at all. No. Um, it's a million of it's it's death by a million paper cuts, mm -hmm. and family court separates them, and they categorize them. So when you go in, it looks like you're complaining about two or three paper cuts mm -hmm. because they're not getting the full picture. And they don't want to get the full picture because they want the one with the most money to win or, you know, they can generate their incentives and or there's collusion between the judge and the opposing attorney. You know, they all drink at the same watering hole in golf while probably inebriated. Maybe and now we're missing $400,000. So there you go. Mm -hmm. um, what might be a side issue, but I thought was very interesting in this case in the beginning, to explain the level of con. In, in late 2019, I received a phone call from a woman that my husband had been renting a room from. Uh, her first name is Michelle. So she's just the roommate. She owns the house. And she ends up on the phone with me for two days. And we document everything. She's worried about the safety of our son because my husband locks them in the back bedroom together all weekend and they don't come out. And she's coming forward and she's disclosing she's been my husband's mistress for 30 years. I've been married to him for 20. Oh, no. And it's disregarded. And we even have my husband's text back to her. Uh, I don't know if it's a text. It's, it's like a, I'm learning this stuff because we were so isolated. It's like a, snapshot with his picture and a little paragraph i sent that to you mm -hmm. and he's admitting that the, the affair well vicky found out about us for the past 30 years i don't know what to say to you much less our son um in the mistress's statements in the two-day statements she's divulging how they've traveled they've gone to see his family and it shows how my husband kept certain relationships from forming with his family in between the siblings in between the brothers so that he could control everybody. And so now that the adult sons are talking, they're finding all these lies. I mean, massive lies. One of my sons said, mom, every decision I made growing up was based on what this man said to me. And now they're all lies. I have to reevaluate who I am. Mm. And I have to reevaluate all those decisions. So you're really dealing with someone who has no conscience. Mm -hmm. It's not that far gone to understand that if you're going to challenge them publicly and disclose who they are, that there's going to be an escalation. Why am I doing that? I'm 57 years old. I have no little kids. Mm -hmm. He's destroyed my reputation. I don't drink. I don't smoke. Mm. He kept me isolated. You know, I, 
I have no control in the marriage. So. Mm. I need to go public so my son, who's in captivity, knows on the other side that we're fighting, that we're here mm. because we don't know what's being said to him. Mm-hmm. We're all gone. That's all he knows. Oh, I, I'm so sorry. And how disgustingly unfair all of this has been for you and your children. It's horrifying when you're goody two shoes and you go by the book and a judge just destroys your family. Mm-hmm. And not only did they take away this the son, the money, the assets, okay, you know, stuff happens in divorce, but they accused me of what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now I'm living as though I'm the abuser. And that's what puts you in a position of, okay, I'm ready. I mean, because are you going to live your life this way or are you going to stand up for it and maybe mm-hmm. your life is going to be shorter? You know, you, you do come to a point, make that decision because you sit and you, you can't go to work. They've, they've ruined your reputation. They've got you falsely. They've mm-hmm. locked keys in the door. You can't have hearings. The mm-hmm. only way out is expose what they're doing or live that way. Mm-hmm. I don't have the skill set to battle court. I don't have the money. I don't have the skill set. I don't have the IQ. I don't have the education for it. I'm also battling the PTSD. Uh, the trauma therapist at the mm-hmm. regional center said, as he watched everything, that, you know, because I come in and go, this is what he did. This is what he's done. This is cut. And the therapist is like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know. And he said, you, you can't get better until this stops. Mm-hmm. You can't heal from PTSD when he still has control. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the message to take out to somebody thinking about leaving. It's going to get worse. You have to be ready. If you decide to leave, you need to know it's going to be worse and you're going to be out of control. You're not going to be able to manage it like you can inside the household. You know if you do certain things, it can make the situation a little calmer. You do it to protect your kids. Mm-hmm. You know, you allow him to have his way, slam you, mm-hmm. take it, whatever. You you take the hits so that it's 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 what's the word so that all the abuse is like right here mm-hmm. and then maybe the kids are, are safer mm-hmm. when you leave this not only blows up they take your kids and him and the kids are over here being abused and you're thrown in the gutter people need to know that mm-hmm. it's like there is not it's like, what decision do you make? It's 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 like a double-edged sword, you know, what do you do? My advice, I'm at the point where I can say, after what we've been through, and my case is an open case. If anybody wants the information, I'll give it. 
um, don't leave. Mm -hmm. You're, in my case, I left. It destroyed my life, but it's now completely destroyed not only my son's life, but his psyche. How is my son, who's never had an education, drug, alcohol, sex abuse, how is he ever going to take care of himself? How is he ever going to have a healthy life? I, mm. I almost at one point in front of the judge, I almost said, who do you think is going to date your daughters? Mm-hmm. Because it just came to mind, like, do you know what you're doing? Mm. Because these children are going to interact with your children, whether you like it or not. And I, I couldn't. I, but, You know, that's a good point. Um, maybe, I don't know. Um, they'll be listening in on this podcast and they can hear it. You know? Oh, I guarantee you that my husband will be listening and you will. When you put this up, there's going to be all kinds of stuff. Um, my adult son, my oldest, has two DUIs. He's, he's a drinking buddy with his stepdad, my husband. I married my husband when this oldest son was 11. Mm. And this son now has turned against all of his brothers because he drinks and does drugs with his stepfather, with my husband. And he's convinced it always lies. This, this brother of yours does this, this, your mother does this. And it's, it's funny because it's always like, well, you know, she has issues. Oh, yeah. You know that she, you know, you know your brother. And so it's not anything you can come back. You don't think it's substantial. It just sits in your head. It's stunning. The stuff that my therapist has unraveled that I just assumed. And my therapist spent hours. I mean, we had to do two-hour sessions because it took that long to get to one point. Things you think are just fact. And when you spend the time and you dig all the way back, he's the one that planted the idea and then he's the one that reinforced it and you never even saw it coming. Mm. Um, we're leaving a con man who has multiple aliases, multiple addresses um, in different states. He's got a Guilty with IRS, uh, fraudulent filings, claiming one resident, one state, while in another. This was with family court in California, by the way. Mm. Family court didn't care. Family court in California will not, the reason they only do temporary restraining orders and they will not do a permanent is because if they issue the permanent, they have to, under the law, remove the children from the person who has the restraining order against them. They cannot have custody of a child. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I actually have a court order of Judge Castillo saying, if there's any communication between the parties, it will be through CPS or this court to bypass a restraining order. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so, 
We have a we have a teenager screaming who has been found on two highways in San Diego trying to stop cars with a backpack saying rescue me and is being forcibly put back. That's we have extensive evidence of the abuse. Mm-hmm. And there's not even an investigation. How is this still divorce and family court? Yeah. How come this isn't in front of the DA? How come the police mm-hmm. hand the child over to CPS? Where did CPS get authority over the police? And I refer to them as CPS. It's mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. child welfare services here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a very good question. And, you know, um, I want you to come back on the podcast you know, for updates. Thank you. Because your story and every, like, your story is multifaceted. Every, mine was, you know, it's just family court does that to, you know, it, it's designed to cause parents to either get very sick, either get cancer or a heart attack. That's what they're designed to do. Why? Uh, because at least it, it, causes uh, such anti- antagonization and creates more litigation when a fit parent is trying to protect their children. And that yeah. makes the fit parent sick. Yeah, I've been doing, I can't eat solid food. I haven't been able to in two years. The gut just, I'm sick before hearings, I'm sick after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, yeah. Um we're now looking at homelessness because I cannot leave California mm-hmm. or I don't get my arm fixed under the workers' comp. They've cut. So he's allowed not to work. He, he claims he claims he quit his job, but he submits a paycheck. Uh-huh. Um, but let's just assume that he quit his job. Two master's degrees, you know, in his 50s. And he's making six thousand a month for not working. And the court orders me to go to work and gives me seven hundred a month in San Diego. That's my income. And we were talking earlier. I won't keep you all afternoon, but we were talking earlier about this patriarchal system, and that's what it's doing to. Not just you, but all fit parents, whether they be mothers or fathers. You know, mothers are paying dearly under this patriarchal system, as well as good fit fathers. You know, men are also damaged by this old patriarchal system. And it's got to stop. And when you come forward and tell your story, and everyone's coming forward lately, and they're telling their story, and they are being heard, you know, hopefully this, this will bring change. You know, um, if if people want to reach you, uh, you know, how do you want to be reached? Uh, there's one email that is public record, and that's Vicki Bailey, V-I-C-C-I-B-A-I-L-E-Y at gmail.com. Everything else is confidential. Mm-hmm. And he finds me and I move again and I stay with friends and my kids hide me. My mm. son's very concerned of my safety. 
one of my adult sons doesn't really believe a whole lot in, okay, women are not getting a fair shake. You know, he's very conservative and he doesn't get into all of this. And, and he, he's lived through this. Mm. And he is now saying, he's watching, he said, mom, this is bias. They're disregarding this. Um, we have massive evidence. We have over 300 exhibits. Mm-hmm. I'm sure everybody else does too. And it's just being buried. Yeah. They don't want the truth getting out. Mm-mm. So I'm forced to go to court alone. And I guess the therapist calls it a bond or freeze response. My mm-hmm. mind was blank. We talked about my dad was a Vietnam vet from Vietnam. And we talked about how PTSD with Vietnam, you know, going through the swamps. And that's how we refer to it. And my therapist was saying, when you're in court, what's happening that you're describing, you're not in court anymore in your mind. You're walking through the swamps of Vietnam. You're mm-hmm. walking through the marriage. You're mm-hmm. experiencing what you're trying to explain. Mm-hmm. And it pulls you back in. And that's not fair that the abuse then gets abused and I can't have somebody there with me. I agree. Mm. And God is watching. But hey, don't jump off. Slam the Gavels, a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I am your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again here with Vicki and other exciting guests in the future. Thank you for speaking out and being so strong, Vicki. Thank you. Thank you, Diane.